are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I have enjoyed over the years telling stories to my girls. Usually happened and happens before bed. And I'll go in the room to say goodnight, and uh, I will start telling a story or have just started telling a story. I have no idea where the story's going, what the ending is going to be, but I'll just start telling a story, and as it comes to my mind, that's the way the story goes. A few years ago, I told Emma a story. She was probably six or seven years old. And I told her a story that, again, I did not know where the story was going. But it was a story about a fox in the woods. I guess the story got out of hand because as I'm finishing the story, I see that she's crying. And you can ask her about the story today. Um about the fox, and if I bring it up, she says, Dad, please don't tell the story about the fox, which I don't even really remember the story that I told. She says that the fox bit her leg off. I'm not sure. I don't recall that part of the story. Um, But it's uh, crazy. Sometimes the stories we tell our kids, and if you tell your kids nursery rhymes, I would encourage you not to dive too deeply into the nursery rhymes, you tell your kids, they usually have dark elements uh, to them. There was a particular uh, thing that children learned uh, in the early 1700s. It's written by Joseph Addison. It appeared as an essay in The Spectacular. And it said, when I lay me down to sleep, I recommend myself to his care. When I awake, I give myself up to his direction. A later version of this was printed in the New England Primer, and it says this, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I shall die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, let me just jump off on a side tangent here. Somehow we went from when I lay me down to sleep, I recommend myself to his care. When I awake, I give myself up to his direction. To now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I shall die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Making sure that kids always thought about dying right before they go to sleep. Now, it's like the woman in a church I attended somewhere in America who worked in children's ministry, not here, worked in children's ministry and Sunday school, and the idea came up that they would use clowns for a children's event. She said, clowns? We shouldn't use clowns. Why would we want kids to have fun in church? 
Life isn't fun. We just, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know why we had to go from if I shall die before I wake. But that's where we went with this particular nursery rhyme, and I'll get back on my subject. But in spite of this sobering stanza, this child's prayer reminds us to see God as our keeper. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. In the Old Testament, there are 15 psalms called the Psalms of the Ascent, and which together they really are a beautiful portion of Scripture. They encompass Psalms 120 through 134, and many scholars believe that these psalms were a collection of psalms that they used when they would go to the temple and they would gather. From wherever they were, they would they would gather and they would use these psalms as a way to ascend to Jerusalem. Now, in your Bible, if you look at this psalms and you look at these psalms, you'll, you'll see a, a, an inscription before these psalms that say, a psalm of degree. If you're in the King James Version, it says a psalm of degree. If you're in the English Standard or the New International or some other version, it'll say a song of of ascents, or another translation is a pilgrim's song. But Psalm chapter 120 through 134 are these pilgrim songs from the Hebrew hymnal. And they would, they would use these songs to encourage themselves as they went to Jerusalem. There's a particular song, a particular psalm of ascent that I would like to consider today. It's Psalm chapter 121. It is a tradition with this psalm for uh, Jewish mothers and Jewish parents to place this psalm in a child's room. They'll even have it in the labor and delivery room, this psalm. They'll read this psalm. They'll put it in their baby carriage or their, their room to uh, remind them about what God is to them. It's called the Shirlamalo and it's a prayer of request. And I want to talk about Psalms 121 because it's a prayer of request for the keeper by the keeper. For the keeper by the keeper. And so I want to speak on this subject, the keeper, today. It's possible that Psalm 121, and there's different opinions about it, but Psalm 21 might have been written by twisted hands who were moved by a desire to see God. And these hands would have moved away a wool curtain from a window, a rough wood cut out. And these hands belonged to a man who, as he began to think about God, backed into his hut, mud hut, that was sparsely furnished, and he began to write a psalm in the stuffy shadows. And that window, that little window, afforded a, a view, a narrow view, of other huts in the area of the Jewish quarter in Babylon. And beyond those huts that were gathered there through his window, he could see sand and he could see the landscape. And beyond that landscape, 
he could see maybe just in the horizon some hills. And he knew that over those hills was the city of Jerusalem, Mount Zion. And in that city was a temple, a temple that stood once as a great beacon of God's presence. And so as he sat there and he began to think about God, he looked out that window and he began to consider God. And maybe he pressed his knees and his forehead down on the ground and he began to think about home and he began to pray. If you could imagine that picture, it's possible that he wrote that and he said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Now, just in case we read this in the New King James Version, but if you read this in the King James Version, I should mention that the King James translation of this verse is somewhat unfortunate because the King James translation makes it seem as if his help is coming from the hills. Psalm chapter 121 in the King James says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. But that is not what the translation is saying. They end it with a period. But the psalm is more accurately rendered and much better understood if the second clause is phrased as a question. And so Psalm chapter 121 and the, the translators of the New King James and all other translations say, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? Where does my help come from? And so this psalm, psalmist who wrote this 121st psalm is not lifting up his eyes to any hills. He is not lifting up his eyes just in the direction of his native land. He is raising his vision to say that it's beyond even the hills that I see. It's beyond that. It's to the direction of Mount Zion. And so this song that is for a hurting soul, this song that is written because someone is distant from their home, someone who is in trouble and in despair, this poet thinks that if he uh, can just reach out to that holy place and he sings, I will lift up my eyes to the hills and he prays in the direction and he cries out with a question, where does my help come from? I know where I want to go, but a question emerges out of that desire. Where does my help come? come from. I'm trapped here in this place. And I think it's a fair question. I think it's a question that we ask a lot. Life has a way of forcing us to ask the question, where does my help come from? How often are 
life isn't going quite right, and we ask for help. We ask the help team. We ask the help desk. We ask the helpline. We ask Surrey. When my AC went out, my air conditioning went out on Friday, the hottest day of the year, I said, where does my help come from? My computer isn't acting right. When my car breaks down, we say, where does my help come from? The deeper moments in our life are calling us. Where does our help come from when our child is sick, when our business partner is unethical, when the relationship is going bad, when the co-workers are lying about me, when I'm falling into depression, when I'm tempted by sin, where does my help come from? Many times we come up with the answer ourselves. Sometimes it's the answer of the little train that said, I think I can. Sometimes it's with an expert, a professional, a friend, a parent. Sometimes we just walk away. Sometimes we just decide to deal with it ourselves. And sometimes we just silently die a little on the inside. No doubt the Hebrew author of this psalm recalls the distant home and wonders if he'll ever return. If he'll ever see Mount Zion, if he'll ever worship the Lord in his sanctuary, but then it's as if his heart begins to realize that, you know what, I do have help. Even though I'm here and where I want to be is there, I do have help. And he begins to voice his assurance that God is not only a God over there in Israel, but that his power extends beyond the borders. And even in captivity, he extends himself and he writes, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. When I ask the question, where does my help come from? It's not far that I hear an answer echo back, my help comes from the Lord, not just any Lord, but the Lord who made heaven and earth. How easy it is for us to keep God in the periphery of our lives. I know that I'm guilty of this when I'm faced with turmoil, I'm in faced with a need or pain. I go to my bag of little tricks, my wit, my money, my education, my friends, for relief. And when they are all exhausted, then I consider, you know what? Maybe I'll bring this to God. Maybe I'll consider God in all of that. But I want to help us today to understand that's not where believers should begin the conversation. Where does our help come from? We don't exhaust everything else and then go, you know what, my last ditch effort, let me try God. But I tell you today that our first response shouldn't be to look down in fear. It shouldn't be to look around to find some help, but to look up because there is a God who is not far from each of us. Not original to me, but there are two ways to live life. 
The first is, when all else fails, pray. The second way to live is pray, or all else fails. How guilty I am of that sometimes to consider prayer and to consider God, to consider looking at God when I have exhausted everything else. So, Isaiah the prophet admonishes us in Isaiah 55, 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. I'm not going to spend a long time today, but I want to help us understand something that I think is possible in our life if we're not careful. I don't think if I said, is there any idolatrous people here today, we'd get a lot of hands, if any hands. We don't really consider ourselves idolatrous. We don't consider ourselves those who worship other gods. But when Isaiah describes an idolatrous people, he describes a people who fashion a god with their own hands. That's what makes an idolatrous person when they fashion it with their own hands. In Isaiah chapter 44, I'll skip through this fast, Ben. Thank you for your help. But in 12, he talks about, verse 12, he talks about the blacksmith who works on the coals and he fashions it with hammers. And he creates this God. Then he talks about a craftsman who stretches it out and he makes a ruler and he creates a God that way. And in verse 14, it says he cuts down the cedars and he begins to fashion it and he burns parts of it. And then he, he makes it and he roasts it and then he uses some of the wood and says, I'm warm by it. But then in verse 17, if you'll put that verse up there, and he said the rest of it he makes into a God, his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it and prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my God. Deliver me. Help me. You make a way of escape for me. Idolatry suggests that you make a God for yourself with your own skill. Then you fall down before it and ask it for help. I think that we can be close to this in times if we're not careful that we craft things in our life. Before we ever ask God for help, we craft our own help. We craft it with a phone call. We craft it with a search. We craft it with conversations. We craft it with experts. We craft it. And then when it all doesn't work, we say, God, I need your help. I'm telling us today, that God's desire is for us to see him not as an afterthought of help, but as the very keeper of all help, the very sustainer of our life. The God, he says, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is the one who helps me. My help 
comes from Him who made heaven and earth. He made everything. And so before we ever try to craft something on our own, before we ever try to craft an answer, God is saying, would you look to me as your help? He says, the writer of this psalm talks about how this help comes. And he says in Psalm chapter 121, and I want to read it in the English Standard Version. He said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Who are you being kept by? Who's sustaining you? Who's helping you? Because if it's the Lord, he's not going to let your foot slip. He's not going to to allow you to, to lose your direction. He says, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And then he says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord is your keeper. And here this psalm is calling us to say, the Lord is my helper, but How do I know he's my helper? Because he's my keeper. He says that in Psalm chapter uh, 121, verse 3 and 4, he says that our foot would not be moved, that it's a geographical point that he's going to keep you in place. There's another passage where he says we're familiar with it. The steps of a man, a good man, are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. God will keep you. He says in uh, verse 4, he says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Slumber nor sleep. Now, there's something about a baby. You just can't wait until they wake up those first few months. So excited. Now, you are excited when they go to sleep, but you are excited when they wake up. And of course, that changes quickly. And Ava, when she was around two and a half years old, was very aware of her baby cousin Avery and her sleep cycle. She had a little saying that became popular around our House. Whenever Avery was awake as a baby, Ava noticed and she'd report to whoever would listen. She's awake. She's awake. That's what we heard. Avery was always, it was always a party when Avery was awake. And it still is a party when Avery's awake. 
And Ava was as thrilled as Christmas when Avery was awake. Do you know that's the kind of God you have? In fact, do you know that 1 John 4.19, which says we love him because he first loved us, doesn't just mean he first loved us once a long time ago, but he loves you first every morning. And he never sleeps nor slumbers. He waits for you to wake up with excitement. With excitement and love in his heart towards you. Waiting for you to wake up. Say, he's awake. She's awake. He who keeps you. He who keeps you. The keeper of your life will not slumber. It's a, another poetic way of saying and describing God's never-ending, never-failing vigilance to watch over your life. There will never be a time, if you serve the Lord, there will never be a time when you are completely alone. There will never be a time when you are completely alone. You are not without help. You are not without strength. But there is a keeper of your life who is watching for you. And he says that your foot won't stumble. You won't trip because God's not sleeping. And he says, the songwriter said, even when the sun comes out and is hot, he said, God is your shade. He's the best sunscreen out there. He's better than 50 or whatever those numbers are. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. I'm going to confess a little something. I'll, I'll be done soon. I was on a little trip this past week. And I'm glad Tony Hopkins isn't here today so I can share this story. But we were driving in the car, and it was Jason Miller and Tony Hopkins and myself, and Tony mentioned that somebody was moonburnt. I had never heard the term before. So I was like, moonburnt? That's amazing. How does that happen? Well, come to find out, it, it doesn't happen. It was a joke, and I was just completely fooled by what moonburnt meant. So when I, I read this, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor you won't even be moonburnt. The moon by night. Saying God covers you, he keeps you. And David wrote in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell be, or the grave, you are there. God is a keeper. And in that final stanza, verse 7, he said, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He's going to preserve your coming in 
and you're coming out. But he says, it's not just one time I'm going to protect you. But he said, now and forevermore. I love that phrase, from this time forth and forevermore. God's guidance, protection, and provision last through this life, but thankfully, not just this life, but he's the keeper into the next life. We're not just living for this life. We're not just living so we have some notoriety or some success in this life. We're living because there is a next life. And God is the only one who can keep us in this life and carry us into the next life. Someone once asked the Greek conqueror Alexander the Great how he was able to sleep so soundly surrounded by constant danger. He replied that his, it was because of his faithful guard, Parmenio, he was watching. He could sleep because he knew somebody else was watching. How much more confident should we be then? How much less anxious should we be being, being persuaded that our faithful guard, our God, is watching? Being a Christian, of course, doesn't mean that you and I get a get-out-of-jail-free card, that we have some magic immunity from the cares and concerns of life, but it does mean that we never have to walk without God's watchful eye. And we can trust that one who can carry us from this life to the next. That one who has defeated the great enemy of all, the enemy of death. Eugene Peterson, a, a theologian, said in the book about Psalms of Ascent, he said, all the water and all the oceans cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside, nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. That is, why the, that is the promise of the psalm. The Lord will keep you from all evil. None of the things that happen to you, none of the troubles that you encounter have any power to get between you and God or dilute his grace and divert his will in your life if you don't let it. So Paul, that great apostle, wrote this amazing thing. He said, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Think about that. If God is for us, who or what can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him from all things, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I want to drop down to verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can COVID separate us from God? Can civil unrest separate us from God? No. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? When your back is up against the wall, don't look down. Don't look at the witty gadgets. Don't look around, but look up to the Lord, the holy, omnipotent God of all creation, because he's there, and he's watching, he's guiding, he's providing, he's protecting. When we come into these moments, opportunities to worship the Lord, I think it's a natural reaction for us and it's a natural response. There are times when we pray and we bow our head in prayer, don't we? We, we bow our head. You don't have to bow your head now, but we bow our head in prayer and we talk to the Lord and that bowing of a head is surrender to the Lord. It's a, it's a humble thing. In cultures that bow, why do they bow? It's a term of humility when you bow. There's also something we do when we lift up our head. And it's a, it's a natural response to say, I need help. You see, a child, when they are trying to get their parents' attention, I've tried to train my children to approach me since I'm taller than them to bow to me. But they've yet to bow. They don't bow when they approach me. They lift up their head and they reach, don't they? They reach. Because that's a, a humble sign. It's a sign from someone who needs help. And so, the question that we all carry today and we will carry this week. I don't know when it'll happen, but I guarantee you at some point this week, you're going to have this question. Where does my help come from? I just got a flat tack. Where's my help coming from? I just got in an argument at work. Where's my help coming from? I just had a, 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 a scare, health scare. Where's my help coming from, Right? That question emerges so often in our life. And I'm not advocating today that you don't get professional help. I encourage you to get professional help. If you're working on your car, get professional help. You'll, you'll drive easier. There are times when you get that. But I wonder if we would ever learn how to, even if we get a flat tire, we just pray a simple prayer. Where's my help come from, Lord? Lead me today. I, I, I was reminded of Sister Phoebus. Chris and I had a conversation about her. She fell a few weeks ago and broke her hip. And her response to that was, you know, I don't know. Maybe God can use this when I'm in the hospital to, for me to witness to a doctor, to witness to a nurse. 
Yeah, she went for professional help, but she, she understood there's a bigger picture at work in the world. And I'm challenging the church to view God as the keeper of your life. Not an afterthought, but the very one that's carrying you through life. We can't even approach the kingdom of God without the heart of a child. God, I see you as my keeper. You're my sustainer. You're my helper. Oh, hallelujah. And I don't know why you're here today. I don't know what you're going through today. But I have no doubt that this past week, you've probably asked the question, I need help. Where's my helper? And so today, I wonder in this moment as we're standing here, if you would just talk to the Lord and say, God, would you be my helper today? Would you be my strength today? I wonder if you'd lift your hands to the Lord. Lift up your head to him. God, I need you today. I need you today. God, you know what we're going through. You know what we're facing. You know the chaos around us. You know the uncertainty, Lord. God, you know, God, where we're at. And Lord, I'm praying today that someone, someone today would look to you in their captivity. Look to you in their trial. Look to you, God, in their discouragement and say, God, you are my helper. I'm not going to just leave it with a question, but Lord, I'm going to say you are my helper. The one who made heaven and earth, you are my helper. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.